Greetings, friends. Future Andrew here, dropping into these past episodes to tell you thanks. Thanks for checking out RTAF. If you're valuing the show as a wellspring of inspiration and artistic fuel and would like to help keep the show going, you can find out more about how to do that at patreon.com slash podcast. Every little bit adds up and keeps me inspired to bring you quality content on a consistent basis. Thanks for listening, and stay creative. Welcome to another episode of Artsy AF. Thanks for being here. This week's episode is with Allie Grimm. That is at a.l dot underscore grime on instagram ali has a unique style um a lot of black and white Mm -hmm. we get into that we get into um putting things in boxes um control versus chaos yeah Um, starting a clothing company starting a clothing company yeah her new clothing line crybaby dropped two days as of the recording of this podcast so at this point, it'll probably be maybe two and a half weeks yeah, after check, it's been out. But check it out. Yeah, check out her Instagram. You can see it on there. She's got a really cool purpose. Um, she's just trying to infuse the world with comfortableness and being yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, she she's just great. Thank you so much, Allie, for opening up to, to us and all the listeners. But yeah, Allie yeah. is, uh, you know, she's got like a brilliant, brilliant intellect self-professed nerd Mm -hmm. and through that lens she's found the building blocks of liberation and um i think she has a really unique interesting perspective on creativity and you know living your best life or you know being actualized self and uh she brings a really unique interesting flavor that i think will expand your mind and your own idea of yourself in the world yeah so get ready for another great Podcast. RTAF. In. Allegro. Three. Two. How am I doing? Cool. Level's good? Yeah. Looks good to me. Yeah, we're good. (laughs) Allie Grimm, what's up? What's up? (laughs) Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah. Um, Let's see. So you're a mural (laughs) artist. Mm -hmm. You just released your own clothing line called Crybaby. Yep. Right on. When Um, when did, did you launch that? Two days ago, officially. Awesome. I like Great premiered timing. the first yeah. things. Cool. Congrats on that. Thank yeah. you. Do you have a, like a website dedicated to it? Um, no. So I started an Instagram for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the first like run, I'm running it through my like art pages. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just kind of to like get some following over to it. And I also like, I'm 
releasing like a couple interviews with some magazines and stuff about it because I want people to understand the message behind it and then I'm going to kind of let it go do its own thing cool. after that. Yeah. What's, what's, what's the message? Yeah. <laughs> so um, Crybaby is a... <laughs> it is uh, pretty much uh, my ironic shot at all the people that at the mentality that doing things via emotion is, is a negative thing Uh as I work in the music industry and, and in art and being a female in both of those worlds. Um, most of the time where I get put down, it's because someone tells me that I'm acting through emotion, but in my mind that's intuitive work. And I, I (laughs) succeed because I feel my way through things. Right. And so, the idea of crybaby is this return to the self returning to understanding yourself and being so in tune with what you feel and, and with what you think that, you know, the crybaby wins. Right. And that's yeah. kind of like the whole idea behind it. Mm-hmm. Owning your emotion that, that, yeah. we- that weakness is your greatest strength. Totally. And, and my own art really deeply seeks to kind of understand the idea of, this technological revolution and the juxtaposition between a human being and a computer. And I kind of attribute that to this idea of masculine and feminine, Mm -hmm. the masculine being a computer, feminine being the human element, which is emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, a feminine or emotion is a very like feminine quality. Intuitive thinking is very feminine. So, I want to kind of return power to the idea of the feminine and we are kind of like in that revolution. Sure. Um, totally. But not so much as like gender wise, just more so um, taking these very masculine social constructs that exist, you know, the idea of capitalism and all these things, those are very masculine mm-hmm. system based processes. Um, and we as a world are shifting away from it mm-hmm. and we're becoming the crybabies. Yeah. That's awesome. Finding balance, you know, because within every being, whether you are male and female, uh, to be actualized, you're a balance of your masculine and feminine self, Mm -hmm. you know? Totally. So that's cool. Totally. Yeah. And I think some of the systems in our world could use a little, uh, feminine or intuitive infusion, you know, the world needs a hug right now. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it definitely does. I think Uh, we're always hitting on that with artists in the podcast is, tuning into your heart and your intuition. Mm-hmm. Like that's where all the good stuff really comes from anyway. Totally. The mind helps like organize it and help like manifest things. Mm-hmm. But the core of pretty much everything good that happens comes from that feminine aspect of uh, totally. re- releasing yourself into the chaos mm-hmm. and allowing the heart to like open up potentiality or something, you know? Yeah, totally. I think that really is like, you know, what separates us from all other things in the world is that we have that ability, that sentience in itself kind of is that like very feminine quality. It, um, the ability to, for, you kind of have to be able to forgive yourself in a way because part of like tapping into that is a lot of self-acceptance, which mm-hmm. comes with a lot of hating yourself for a while and yeah. then returning to the cycle of like, wait, but I love you. <laughs> yeah, And yeah. that is very like motherly. Mm-hmm. You, ha- think- you have to remother yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a good mental health practice too. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have to accept 
every aspect of your being mm -hmm. before you can really turn on, you know, really mm -hmm. like ignite in the world. Totally. Well, yeah. If you have unconditional love for yourself, you can have unconditional love for the world. Totally. And then you're like free. <laughs> you yeah. can do fun stuff with fun people. Totally. I think that's like the biggest problem with people in general mm -hmm. is that they're just like, I don't know. We're kind of like programmed wrong from childhood. We're taught that like you, you things are good mm. and mm. you are bad. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you have to like find good via things. And so we never really learn that. And um, one of the things I like fight the hardest for and really would like to do with my career one day is support arts education because uh, educating kids via art in their youth teaches them self-acceptance because there's no competition yeah. and you just kind of are in a head game with yourself. And right. then at the end you're like, whoa, I made that. I'm mm -hmm. good. I did yeah, that yeah. like from myself. And so that kind of, I think is how you program the idea of self-acceptance very young. And then slowly through puberty you hate yourself and then you come yeah. out of puberty and you unhate yourself again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally so i, 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 I feel like I, uh if yeah. you don't mind yeah <laughs> i feel like that um teaching kids art like that and just letting them kind of go wild uh could teach them like autonomy as well because mm -hmm. there's no mm -hmm. uh, necessarily right answer when making art you know there are definitely ways that you can make something look more or less realistic. But I think that just to have like autonomy, like in your hands with like a brush, a marker, an instrument, whatever it is, it's like, that's it for me. You know, mm -hmm. that's Hell like, yeah. that's what I live for. It's like <laughs> this freedom kind of thing. And you're also taking accountability for what you created mm -hmm. and it's, it is what it is, I guess it's not right or wrong, but, um, yeah, it's a bit of manifestation a of creativity. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, how did you get on this path and this mindset? Was it an experience, something that you grew into? Um, so I have only really been making art for like a little less than four years. Mm. Um, I had a hard time in college and was not doing great in my life and dropped out of school many times. The last time I did it, I kind of like came home and was felt very directionless and had a bunch of paint in my house. So I just kind of threw something together and it felt really good. Um, so kind of continued to oh. seek. Blair just walked into the, another interview. That's hey. my wife, Blair. It's Allie. Hi, Blair. <laughs> um, so I kind of tried to seek that. And I think for a few years, um, art kind of just was a place where I experimented with myself. I was really, I think, so, so far gone and detached from myself that I had to, like, really relearn who I was. And I spent a lot of time. I, I'm Hispanic, and I come from a very conservative traditional family mm -hmm. that very much programmed me to think that girls needed to be a certain thing and mm -hmm. that I needed to be a certain thing. And so I kind of had to like over four years completely disintegrate that and put it back together. Damn. That's some um, heavy work. 
It has been <laughs> heavy work indeed. Um, and then kind of eventually started looking at the artists in Denver and came out here once. And I kind of think that that's where it really actually started. I, for a couple years, um, was running a music collective, which became an agency and a record label called The Gradient Perspective. Uh, mm. I co-run it with a business partner um, named Jared Oppenheim, who goes by Choppy Oppie. He's a producer. I know. Um, and so I was doing like live painting and stuff, which was cool, but it was I was just like dipping my toe mm. into art. And then I came out here and had been following Chris Bolin's work, but like met him in real life and painted with him and then kind of decided that I had enough of being unhappy mm-hmm. and that I was, that this was the place where I was gonna come to be happy. And so I dropped everything and just started working really hard. And at the same time, my father was diagnosed with cancer. And so I moved in with him and started taking care of him and the having to face mortality like that i think really made me be like what what is life Mm -hmm. what am i doing what does any of this mean and so i kind of think that's how this fell together for me i Mm -hmm. kind of in the process of trying to figure out who i was i fell into the rabbit hole of what is a person and what is anything i got like way too deep inside Mm -hmm. of it yeah and then slowly started putting all of those little pieces together until i found like made my art style my Mm. art style is super um inspired by technology Mm. and cognition and psychology Mm -hmm. just because that's what i was dealing with when i put this together my dad was a computer programmer so we talked a lot about autonomy and cognition and mm-hmm. how um really the systems that control computers are so similar to the systems that control humans yeah and so in the process of kind of just like having not having to but keeping him company mm-hmm. and having to like make conversation that was very distracting from what was happening in his life. Uh, um, I sort of found what art meant to me. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Winding um, roads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit more about the overlap between uh, computers, coding, programming, and psychology, and human coding and programming, and just the sea of marketing we're living in now yeah totally that's my favorite thing yeah Um. (laughs) i I don't know like where to start with it but it's just so uh, everywhere yeah you know and everybody's trying to be um an entrepreneur or a brand and um yeah i'd just love to hear your thoughts on that like where do those spheres kind of overlap between machine and human (laughs) so um one of my favorite things in the world, I'm like a super nerd. Like I read books that I don't understand because nice. I just want to. And <laughs> so I read a lot of books on computer programming and socioeconomics and 
<laughs> biology, anything. Mm-hmm. But I do that because all these things connect. Um, and they kind of meet in the middle in something called system sciences, mm-hmm. particularly complex system science, um, which I used to talk to my dad a lot about because he's, he's Chilean and mm-hmm. one of the scientists who kind of really developed this idea um, is Chilean as well. Nice. And so he knew about him and, and because he was a computer programmer, it kind of tied in. Um, but for people that don't know, system science pretty much is the study of how things are connected in any sort of realm. So you pretty much, people that study it, study how things within a system are connected, whether it's cells in mm-hmm. biology, whether it's you know political systems, economic systems, code, Mm-hmm. All of that kind of falls into it under the idea that you can, if you understand how all how this idea works, you can understand any of them. It's mm-hmm. like this fractal thing that's applicable mm-hmm. applicable to anything. Exactly, it's huh. pretty much the science of the fractal of the world. Yeah, it's pretty hyper psychedelic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you know? Um, did you listen to the episode we had with Michael? Yeah, that guy. That's what he's on. <laughs> he's on uh, the. Uh, like he has a group I think called complexity explorers Mm -hmm. on, on Facebook. It's, you know, I'd love to dive more into it when, uh, or if I had time, but man, that stuff's super interesting. Um, I think Santa Fe Institute is a big spot Mm -hmm. where he does that stuff. That's just something that came to mind. (laughs) I don't know what part of the fractal I'm in right now. No, yeah. yeah, it's so, um, Kind of where I see the world, or from my point of view, what the world is experiencing kind of all at once is that for a long time, we've been living through these systems, Mm -hmm. which in my mind are these masculine forces. That's how I interpret them in art. And they're social constructs. Like they are, you know, animals use them. They have hierarchies. And we've Mm -hmm. lived inside of these boxes but no one's ever been educated enough to understand that all of these things are the same Mm -hmm. but now we're having this woke revolution and i think part of it is that psychedelics exist and are being like you know kind of out there but also this idea of um responsibility for the self now people are starting to understand where they stand in the world Mm -hmm. and that they are part of a machine Mm -hmm. and they don't like that anymore Mm -hmm. and so i feel like you know a lot of the trouble of the world kind of stems from the fact that people are realizing that all of these systems exist and then as far as like you know navigating inside of that branding marketing all of those things are just a part of that system so right. you kind of have to get it right and then once you get it you can kind of play into it as much as you want mm-hmm. or as much as you don't i think um the fact that there's so many entrepreneurs now and that kind of that because of the internet, we can be entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. That kind of breaks that cycle. That's people kind of taking responsibility and pulling themselves out of that system. Sure. But then it makes its own system. Uh huh. Yeah. So and you, then you have to like, you're like play a, into that new one. Things just yeah. self organize whether we want them to or not. Unfortunately. Know? That's like uh-huh. a reflection of the self and everything, right? Like you're a, yeah. you're a slave to a pattern, then yes. you wake up to a pattern and acknowledge it. 
understand it and then you can manipulate it to work for you and to be a conduit for love and creativity exactly. rather than control. Totally. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. That's like high magic. It, it is. Totally. Mm-hmm. It's like you're inside of this machine and you wake up and you're like, I'm a cog, but wait, all these other cogs around me are also cogs and I can talk to them and <laughs> yeah. affect the way that they work. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. And it's like, well, we, uh, yeah, we are stuck in systems, right? That worked really well. Mm-hmm. And then you wake up. Yeah. And like you're saying, once you understand it, then you can create a really well, uh, a system that works really well because you know those patterns, but then you apply it. Yeah. You, you apply your own spin on the thing. And then mm-hmm. if you have, yeah, like with the entrepreneurs waking up, it's like what happens when just everybody owns a company right. that makes them feel good and makes other people feel good when they come in contact with it. It's like, <laughs> Heck, then we all feel good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, and like that part of the waking up, you know, like politics now, I think everyone's like, we were kind of like under a spell of like, yeah, there's like the rulers and then we're the people. And then I think people are waking up to their own power mm-hmm. and those whole structures are breaking down. And that's why society, especially when you hear voices like on the internet and stuff, everyone's just going crazy just going nuts. because the thing is breaking <laughs> apart that the illusion has been like the illusion doesn't work anymore. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Duff. I kind of think of it as like that one time you realized Santa wasn't real and your (laughs) whole life fell apart. But now you just go back to the system. Now you're trying to make Santa real for someone else. Yeah. Dang. Uh, Santa. No. Well, it's like, well, Santa is real. Santa was the mushroom. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. (laughs) Duff. You gave me fake Santa. I'll show you the real one. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I think, you know, as long as people, systems work, I think as long as people are using it to build something positive now, Mm -hmm. I think that like, I think what is important to realize is that those systems are there as guides, but that as human beings, we still feel things and we are social and we still have that element. And particularly as we move to a place that's more technological, you know, we're going to have robots walking around soon. The thing that makes us unique against them is that we feel. Mm -hmm. And I think that over time, as that becomes more popular, there's going to be a more value towards that human element, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to become a currency and because something else doesn't have it. So now suddenly it has a value. And so I think it'll be interesting to see in the future how people capitalize on emotion. Mm -hmm. I think people right now are kind of trying to do it. They're like living their best life yeah, yeah. (laughs) doing, (laughs) doing the whole thing. But that might be like our only value at a certain point. I yeah. kind of think so. You know, like yeah. I, I went to school for marketing and you pretty much are taught to monet to hit people in their feels mm-hmm. all the time. And, and you do kind of monetize on emotion. Like that's mm-hmm. what commercials do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that over time that it will start to become something that is important right now. 
it's kind of being abused and cause like we're blasted with all this stuff all the time. They're just mm, yeah. like trying to like glitch <laughs> that little part of your brain. Yeah. But I think it'll be interesting to see in 10 years how people kind of very deeply return to the self. And then that becomes the thing that you like seek out as opposed to like having things because yeah. mm-hmm. the th- people will be things, not right. people. AI people will be things, yeah, yeah, yeah. but people will be people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just like diving yeah, into the subtleties of human relationship and realizing like that is, it's like we're being forced technologically to embrace the thing that ha- is the only thing that has any meaning at all. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I would imagine when you're on your deathbed, mm-hmm. you're not going to think about like, you know, that painting I sold or like, the, those shoes I got, you're going to think about like that time you laughed with your friends and yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah. I think we're moving closer to, uh, an experience and or yeah. Emotion based economy mm-hmm. with yeah. all that, which is crazy to think of, but right. I'm here for it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm all for it. Like, I mean, I'd say I'd, I've spent a fair amount of money on experience. <laughs> I don't have many like, things yeah mm-hmm. but i do have uh, a richness of like social network you know mm-hmm. this guy over here <laughs> you <laughs> the podcast and what do you think do you think like ai or robots could become emotional beings at a point in time that's my worst fear because <sighs> that, that we yeah. ain't got shit yeah. um, <laughs> we're gonna have to totally let go yeah <laughs> so um yes and no um i think that you can so there i think there's a difference between knowing something and understanding it i think an ai can know an emotion Mm -hmm. but because it doesn't understand mortality like what actually drives an emotion what drives an emotion home in a human being is that we end yeah yeah and so like when you quote unquote live in the moment it has so much more value because like that could be the last one. Whereas like for a computer, you'd have to download that idea into it too. Mm, mm -hmm. Like you have to have that mortality aspect or else you just kind of know the idea. You don't really get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From all the books you say that you read and like all the, the complex system stuff you think about, do you think that um, there is a way to encode things like, empathy and care into a machine into a robot yeah Yeah. for sure and like you know um the cool thing about computers and human beings Mm -hmm. alike is that they can always learn computers Uh, can learn exponentially faster so i really think that if a computer was programmed the right way it would actually reach a much deeper level of empathy than we could even fathom because Mm. computers just do what's programmed to do. Like they'll Mm. keep going forever. Um, But then there's like the flip side of it, which is like, you could just turn that off. Whereas like, you can't just turn it off in a person. Right. Once you've mm. learned it, it's sort of still there. I mean, you, it's like repression at that point. Right. 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 Or it's like willful, like ignoring of your emotions, I guess. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas like for a computer, you could just like, uncode yeah and then, <laughs> then you have terminator yeah <laughs> <laughs> is arnold schwarzenegger your favorite actor 
one of them. Okay. <laughs> Good. Just wanted to check. <laughs> so it's cool, right? You said you're like four, four years in art. Mm-hmm. That's such a fun, right place to be. Do you have any uh, visions of where you'd like to take things that you want to share? Or what kind of potentiality you feel in your path? Sure. Um, four years is terrifying. I feel like I should have accomplished a million things by now. And <laughs> I have to remind myself every day that I'm new. Yeah. Particularly because all my friends are these like amazing artists that are killing it, but they've been doing this for 10 years. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I hate myself. Like, why am I not that good? <laughs> but they've been doing it for so the cycle. I know. But, the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm excited about this, the clothing. I think that um, I've always been very driven by the idea of helping people. Um, In high school, I literally won an award for doing so many community service hours. Right on. And like spent my, my summers doing Habitat for Humanity projects and stuff like that. And I've always just like been that kind of person. So I think art called to me because I could help people and and i've experienced a lot of pain in my life and have kind Mm -hmm. of healed myself and literally recoded my brain so intensely Mm -hmm. um via art and so now that i understand what it has the potential to do i just want to help other people find that place as well totally um i got i got really excited about entering the world of painting murals because they're big and they can reach so many people. And Mm -hmm. I really want to mostly reach children Mm -hmm. um, because you can kind of help them before it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a little, it's out on the street, right? So a Mm -hmm. little kid walks by and they're like, Whoa, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's so cool. You know, like you've no, like art in a gallery. I don't know how many little kids go to galleries, but if it's just right there on the street, uh, you have no idea what kind of impressions you can make on a little youngster that sees uh, the potential of what a human being can do, you know? Oh, totally. And I, I know like from little blips in my own childhood, I was a a tomboy. Like I wore boys clothes, had made my parents like chop all my hair off and Mm. I played sports Mm -hmm. and my family in South America, came down on me very hard. Like I was like eight and they'd be like, Oh, boys are never going to like you and you're going to end up alone and you're going to be gay if you don't start wearing dresses. <laughs> Damn. And I was very confused. Trip. I was like, what? Like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, do <laughs> if I don't want that, that won't happen. Right. Yeah. But I remember being like, kind of being like eight and being like, who am I? And then that singer pink came out and mm-hmm. she had a very mm-hmm. like, muscular body and short hair Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the first time I ever like remember looking at something someone famous and being like wait it's okay to be me because that lady's like me Mm -hmm. yeah so I think kind of we have that potential to do with art and murals are so big um and clothing something people wear is something that's like reaches so many people that I feel like I can help get that message that it's okay to be you mm-hmm. kind of a little faster and a little easier because mm-hmm. my art's a little out there mm-hmm. and it's not like crazy, but it's intense for some people. And I think maybe not entirely digestible for a child. Yeah. Yeah. So. Whereas like a, a piece of clothing or something is a lot more digestible. Yeah. And it's also like the path that you're on, you know, everything that you create or put out in the world is reverberating at that like 
hey, I was miserable and lost and confused and I found my way out. And then yeah. everything you create is a manifestation of that realization, right? Mm-hmm. And we all get to do that with our own unique flavors. And it's like, you know, there's like weirdos out there that are lost that are, they're like a weirdo John Speaker and they resonate with my <laughs> stuff, you know? And then there's like weirdo versions of Andrew and yeah. they resonate with that. And like, yeah. we all get to just put our weird, like we get to own this weird, unique perspective of ourselves. Right. Yeah. And right. then, yeah. I think just, just being you as a person encourages people to mm. be themselves or take on projects that maybe they weren't gonna, like weren't motivated to do. Like, you know, just, just being yourself so much, like you said with pink, you saw it, you just happened to see her mm-hmm. and you were like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, she's on TV. So like, can't be that bad. Yeah. You know? And like, if someone sees you painting a mural and, you have green hair and like a kind of like a camo bleach hoodie on and they're like, Oh, you know, I can be like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. We're back. Even though you didn't know we left. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the magic of garage band. <laughs> so being yourself. Yeah. Um, we yeah. We were talking about, about being yourself, yourself and right now we're being ourselves. Um, and just admitting that podcasts aren't as smooth as you think they are. Yeah. Especially ours. I think That's it gives good. it a charm. It, it's like a reflection of reality, you know? Nothing ever goes how you think it's going to. Right. There you go. I and think you guys are charming. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Also, it's 420, 2020. 2020. Damn. Yeah, blaze it up. <laughs> I just couldn't help. I just saw it on your phone there. Um, so let's talk about uh, your art in particular. And um, you really like using black and white. I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, what What is it about? Is, is there something in those two colors, like you were talking about masculine and feminine earlier? Is there some sort of overlap or or, or tangent there? Is it like a duality thing? For sure. Um, it definitely came to be because I very much discovered my style during Inktober last year mm-hmm. um, or developed what it is now through that and so because it started in black and white Mm -hmm. I first like started to get more intricate and then it started as like a challenge to myself like can I just do what I want to do if I only use black and white Mm. and then over time as I developed this idea of balance then it became an obsession almost all my stuff is black and white Um, and I I've I actually hate colors now, like, really? a, a lot of them, not all of them. I, I, I have like really big problems with the color red. I only like one red. Do you like magenta? <laughs> no. Is it like I cadmium? Only, oh, that's the oh, worst. That's the worst. Wait, that's I, my favorite color. I like, <laughs> I like pyrrole. And pyrrole. That, and that's the so, only it's one. It's a strong, strong one. That, that's why I like it. Transparent. That's mm-hmm. hilarious. Yeah. I couldn't be more opposite. Like <laughs> cadmium red is like my fucking little Your special jam. sauce at the end. It's like put some cadmium in there. It's like just a palette knife of cadmium <laughs> on the canvas. It just like it gives me anxiety. I like can't. I just like my brain glitches whenever I have to think in colors. I'm like, Ugh, stop. <laughs> well, there, there's that whole psychology to colors too, right? Yep. Um, I'm you know that's why they put stop signs as red and like mm. caution danger. Oh yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why that is. <laughs> Probably some something having to do with evolution. Yeah. 
Um, like a lot of fruit is red though too. Blood. Blood. Oh, that's gotta be it. Yeah. It's like, if you go this way, you're going to see this color coming out of your body. (laughs) (laughs) I know stop signs and fire trucks are red because red is the wavelength that is the shortest. So it hits your eye the fastest. Mm. Okay. So you see it first. Nice. Whereas blue is the furthest. Thank you for putting that in. See, we got a legitimate answer. (laughs) But also blood. I'm here for blood. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think colors are cool. I use colors sometimes. Okay. Um, right now I'm doing a lot of black and white and pyro red. Okay. Specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll do teal. I really big fan of all the tones that teal makes. Oh yeah. Cyan. Um, love that one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Anything CMYK here mm-hmm. for that. It plays um, into the technology thing a bit too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, def the technology thing. <laughs> but I don't know. I think um, also, too, I really want people to focus on the patterns and shapes that I'm creating because in my process, uh, I'll spend like days on modeling websites, Instagram and Pinterest looking for models with the perfect facial expression. Mm-hmm. Then I draw that and then I'll spend another few days figuring out what patterns express the energy inside that person's face. Mm. And so I think for me, I kind of spend so much time creating a map of how I want someone's eye to travel through something mm-hmm. um, that I feel like color distracts from that. And I don't, I don't want it there for just how I want people to go into my art. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it also helps that it plays back into that idea of dichotomy and of masculine and feminine. Yeah. Um, I definitely use more black in pieces where the figure is stronger to kind of tone them down Mm. and flatten everything around them. Um, And I keep things a little bit more white when it's a more playful or light individual or expression. Mm -hmm. And you were saying like, um, like you developed uh, artistic style uh, over Inktober where Mm -hmm. you do like a a drawing every day. Mm -hmm. I think that's, such a good practice for any artist, especially like younger artists, you know, it's like when you have to just relentlessly create a new thing every day, you just get to like get all of these ideas out of you. And then something starts materializing without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know. I just think it's a good advice for young or any artist out there. Like yeah. draw every day, totally. Car- carve out new ideas. The ironic part of it is that I, don't keep a sketchbook and have a, I have a control problem. Uh, and which is why I draw a lot of boxes because I like Mm. to put things in boxes Mm -hmm. and then control inside the box and then go control inside another box. Mm -hmm. For that reason, I have a hard time making something that doesn't go all the way to completion. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so I don't sketch anything. I kind of just like go straight into it. But Inktober is great because it allows me to have a daily practice, but still have the satisfaction of finishing it. Although I, I'm going to start keeping a sketchbook because yeah. I think it's, I need to chill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Light, lighten up. Yeah. I actually, I, so I work with Bass Nectar as well and he just did this like, pro- I'm the- sorry. <laughs> 
exactly. had to. Uh, yeah. uh, DJ Lauren. Okay. Um, he so he did this program, um, or his foundation did this program where they gave away um, a month of free therapy to a thousand people, and I got one of those months and was paired with a life coach who. Within five minutes of our conversation, she was like, do you draw a lot of straight lines? And I was like, yeah, just pretty much only straight lines all the time. And yeah. she's wow. like, yeah, that, that's not allowed for a month. <laughs> so nice. I made a series that's round and kind of camo-y, but even more painfully anal than anything I've ever made. And she was like, I showed it to her and she's like, are you for real? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and so... Um, I tried to loosen up. It got worse. I'm going to try again. <laughs> it's okay. You I'm sure you can relate to that a bit. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of psycho too. Like, well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like in your style of, uh, your style of how you kind of plan everything out. Mm-hmm. I'm the opposite. I should probably start using like only straight lines. <laughs> and I, I do sometimes mostly on walls, I guess, but it's like, yeah, I'm, I make a huge mess. And then I'm like, oh, that looks like a hand. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that. I'm not sure what it's going to mean yet. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Like all these different artists have, um, since we're also, you know, self-aware, I'd say, like we all know where our weaknesses are. And um, really, I think if you develop that, you can turn them into strengths. Totally. Yeah. And even just experiment with them, you know, like yeah. make some squiggly shitty pieces that you never show anybody <laughs> just for your own. I think it like gets something out of you and, and like, you don't have to like do that as a statement, you know, like I, I'm always like so in control with my paintings and then every once in a while I'll just like splash color and just like, just watch it move around, spray water on it. Just like, just to get totally out of my comfort zone in my world and it can be like a very therapeutic experience Mm -hmm. and then i can actually go back to like control but with like less i gotta get it perfect even though it gets perfect i'm like less attached to the perfection ladies and gentlemen it can just (laughs) (laughs) perfect is the key word (laughs) well yeah this idea of perfection it's like kind of a a red herring or or a, a false idol or some other phrase i'm not thinking of right now but it's not (laughs) definitely it's not like maybe an attainable thing Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. i think so because my journey into art has kind of been my way of retaking control over a life that was painfully out of control yeah i think i'm afraid of not being in control because i've completely changed who i am Mm. And my life is amazing now. I love it. But it's because I'm in control all the time. And so now I'm scared, Mm. which is, this is like the painful part of being painfully self-aware is that I know I'm doing it, but I can't (laughs) stop. So I think it would be good for me to just kind of like make something that is a mess and then Mm -hmm. be like, yeah, whatever. So what? You you have control of chaos. Oh man. You know, it's like- You have uh, control over like, your relationship to whatever you create mm. too. you know you still have that i guess well there's all these like phases we go through yo and there's gonna be like a through line in everything like you have a style and like you're probably always gonna have something reminiscent of what you're doing now but it always i think it's always changing 
and morphing and molding. We just go through different phases of relationship with ourself and the world. And when you feel out of control, you want to gain control. And then once you gain control, you can let go of your control and realize that you're still free. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's always changing and moving and death, but it's always like, it's always an expression of love. And that's like the main thing, you know, like you have like this personality thing going on of like, yeah, you know, I want to be in control, but like really what you're doing is just loving. Like every time you create, you're just, you're just loving yourself in the world. And like, that's the real shit. So I don't know. I don't know if I have a point with that, but that's that's the the point. point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We, we like to hammer that home every episode pretty much just, uh, stay in touch with that heartbeat Mm -hmm. whatever yeah yeah totally that's important like that's what most people don't practice and i think the the greatest blessing of being an artist is that we have we have something that is always giving us love back Mm -hmm. which is why i feel that we are responsible to show other people or i as a person feel responsible to then teach other people that Mm -hmm. um because I think we do it in a way by being ourselves, like by being unique, you're already doing, you know, what pink did for me when I was mm-hmm. in fourth grade, showing people that wait, like you can just be anyone and you can be happy. But I also, I feel very compelled to then teach that lesson back to the world because it's such a gift and it is the most human thing that we can have, Totally, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like most people in the world are so, painfully detached from that mm-hmm. which is why the world is hurting yeah mm-hmm. and so i feel a social responsibility i put the revolution will be televised in all of my work but the revolution is love it mm-hmm. really just is like radical self-acceptance and understanding like you said earlier when you can love yourself you can love everyone mm-hmm. and then we start to fix all the problems that Hell exist yeah. around us <laughs> it's pretty awesome yeah yeah <laughs> It it's a cool thing to do with your time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a temporary Save the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, after, after dinner. Yeah, I'll get to that after dinner. <laughs> so, so I've been digging this question. Uh, what's your favorite thing about art? My favorite thing about art? <laughs> it's, Am I allowed to say that is that I'm in control? Because that's like, <laughs> not helping. No, that's... Um, my favorite thing about art is that you get to be yourself, mm. that mm-hmm. you can really like do anything that you want. There's no rules mm-hmm. um, except for the rules that you make for yourself and that it allows us to see who other people truly are. Mm. So let's you see the weird inside everyone. Yeah, right. Yeah, you kind of when you're making art and sharing it, you're kind of like naked to the world. Mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. this funny way it's also interesting you know like being yourself is uh like what does that mean to you to be yourself um well i'm crazy and weird so <laughs> um my art is too mm-hmm. um but i think that being able to express that side of myself has helped me to one understand myself, understand how the world works a little bit better, but also like develop real actual relationships with people. Mm-hmm. I think when you feel the freedom to be yourself and you kind of put that kind of vulnerability out there, you make other people feel safe. And yeah. so suddenly 
that barrier is gone. And mm. now you've formed a real human connection. So I yeah. feel like the ability to be weird is that human element. Yeah. It's, that's the thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You, you be vulnerable and then you allow other people to be vulnerable and you get to like actually have conversations that are real. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, totally. And you, I think you kind of gain uh, some sort of family too, being an artist. At least that's the the sense that I get. I feel like a lot of our friends out here are more like family that we've chosen. You mm-hmm. know? And it's just like, oh, you love art. I love art. You make it. So do I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is so inarticulate. But um, but that's how it yeah, is. Yeah, you're on that level. <laughs> yeah, that's how it how it be sometimes. What, but like you're, you're yeah. on that level, you know, like, and you understand someone just right off the bat because you're like oh you're a weirdo and i like you <laughs> yeah i like the way you're being mm-hmm. weird over there when it's everybody's doing that thing of being themselves whatever that means to them and mm-hmm. that like uh you're all honoring each other's being self like mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then yeah i don't know it's totally <laughs> it's a deep bond and i think that um kind of to bring it back to what we were talking about at the beginning with this idea of like building your own system where I think that a large shift is going to happen with these entrepreneurs is that right now and with that spirit, like right now you have to market yourself to sell a brand. But in, I don't think in the future that you're going to have to build a brand branding will just happen when people start to actually express themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You see that kind of as a facade in like LA and in these big cultures where people like put on a front, but eventually when enough people start to realize that that's when, when that no longer holds value and what holds value is actually people authentically being vulnerable. Yeah. Then we're going to start to see this shift where you don't have to work to make a brand. All Mm -hmm. you have to do is do the work to be yourself. Just be yourself and share it. Right. Yeah. And, and and people that tap into that the deepest are people that are going to hold the most value. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we see in our little microcosm, Uh you know, yeah, Yeah. we kind of look at each other and what we see in each other and value in each other is that like, Oh, you get it too. Like Mm -hmm. you're doing that work. And so that means that you're not, gonna try and come after me because right. you're busy doing your work exactly mm-hmm. yeah 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 i think it's like uh the, one of the people with the biggest brands today is joe rogan mm-hmm. and i don't think that motherfucker ever thinks about branding <laughs> <laughs> he's just so <laughs> potently himself yeah and it's like this whole world of just like authentically being yourself and what you're into and sharing that and it's it's like organic and natural there's no put on Totally. Yeah. I think the same about Billie Eilish. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. I drew her for one of my Octobers. And the thing I admire the most about her is that this is like a little girl. I think she's like 18. Mm, Really? And she's young. Wow. um, And is like one of the most famous people, like musicians in the world right now. But she, the thing that's different about her is that she is being different. Like Mm -hmm. so completely, like not just her sound. She wears extra extra large men's clothes because she doesn't want anyone to think about what she looks like right she mm-hmm. wants people to just be like pay attention to my art yeah. and to what i do mm-hmm. and to the fact that i'm pushing a boundary and i think 
the fact that she already holds so much value is a kind of points to the fact that that's where things are going to shift. Totally. That unique self-expression and and you can't fake that. Like you can't pay someone to market your unique self-expression Yeah, because people will see through it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, it's like the collective consciousness is evolving and getting more subtle and like we can sniff out bullshit so much easier now. Like, <laughs> but, like, but why do you think people react to like a Billie Eilish or a Joe Rogan in like uh, a negative way? Like, why are there haters? They're scared. <laughs> they're scared to let themselves be authentic. Yeah. They're scared of themselves. Totally. The, um, Number one enemy to, you know, the safety of being one of the same as everyone else is the idea that someone is different. Yeah. Because that means you could be different, but yeah. then you have to figure out how you're different. Right. And that requires the work that no one actually wants to do. You have to confront your darkness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're like, I'm in this. my best friend. Uh huh. What's up, all the things inside me? Let's <laughs> out today. <laughs> I can't see you, but. I can feel you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Plus, like, haters going to hate. Yeah, know. yeah. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I that's guess a bad it's thing fun. to say. I mean, like, I think people have fun with it. It's fun. It, it, yeah. it, it can be... Um, it's like a cocaine high or something. It can be yeah. silly, too. Yeah. You can be silly and be, like, you know, uh, an edgelord <laughs> or a, a meme maker or whatever. <laughs> um <laughs> And, but it's just, it's just weird when you see someone like take time out of their day to consume the content that someone who's being authentically themselves puts out on whatever Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And they see their content and then just try and like, uh, especially if it's like an artist and someone who's not like putting forth some like complex idea. Like I get it if someone needs to come in with like science or a different perspective on someone's like idea, mm-hmm. but like just to hate on someone's like authentic expression, I just don't like, <laughs> like how are you going to take time out of your day to watch what I did and then just poo poo on it? Yeah. <laughs> I think um, that kind of also goes back to the idea of teaching arts education mm-hmm. in youth kids are taught too early to be competitive. Mm. They're taught too early that in order for them to win, someone else has to lose. Yeah. Whereas art teaches you that I can win and you can win and John can win. And now we all won. Yeah. Um, We're all winning. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And so I think that hater mentality is the idea that if you're winning, then I must be losing. And so now I hate you. (laughs) And Mm. that kind of is where this, idea of people taking personal responsibility now and then because they're personally responsible and doing well now they're collaborating because now they're not threatened by you you're Mm -hmm. doing you and i'm doing me so let's do it together and now we're working 10 times faster totally and and there's so much to go around there's so much you know whatever success or or even money Mm -hmm. to go around i mean i think denver proves that there's so many successful artists out here Colorado in general, uh, that like you can find a, a lane mm-hmm. for whatever you do with, you know, yeah. regardless of style or whatever, like someone's going to feel it 
you know, someone's, it's going to hit someone like the right way. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Whenever you change from a mindset of scarcity to realizing how abundant reality is mm-hmm. with totally. its infinite potential. Yeah. If, and if you just switch that mindset, your whole reality is going to change. Yeah. And uh, it, you'll be more successful and have really nice friends. Yeah. Well, there's like seven or 8 billion people on the planet and just more and more coming. And, you know, like if you think about it, uh, this, this kind of gets back to your like systems thing epigenetically, like s- the generation of people who have taken uh, DMT and psychedelics are like <laughs> pushing those epigenetic patterns into their children. <laughs> and so like maybe like our grandchildren will just be living in a perceptual DMT realm where <laughs> they will just appreciate the art that we make even more and more. It's like, there's nothing to be afraid of. No, totally. And do you need a time check? How oh, long no. did it take you guys? to oh, get to this point. You said psychedelics earlier, actually. <laughs> yeah. She listens to like all the podcasts. I do, yeah. I do. We're at 53 minutes. First time DMT <laughs> was mentioned. Yeah. I did. So my obsession with systems did happen via the first time I did DMT by accident. My friend gave me by some... By accident. My, you didn't know whoops. you were going to... My friend gave me some hash and some DMT. And, and I came like, home at like... I bartended at a bar till like 5 a.m. I came home, the sun was rising, and I was like, man, I can't wait to smoke some hash because I'm so tired. Just and chill out, man. Bruh. Then I went... I just like really was like, what is happening? And then I just for like however long it lasts was like, you died. This is why they tell you not to do drugs. Now you're dead. Good job. Uh-huh. Good work. But then I came... I snapped out of it and I was like, Whoa. Mm-hmm. System span. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the world makes the f- sense. The fabric of reality kind of yeah. like churning. Kind of. I kind of like, I felt like I was inside a computer, mm-hmm. inside the motherboard of a computer and mm-hmm. watching like signals go from one place to another. And I had already been fairly obsessed with uh, neurology. Yeah neuroscience and computers at the same time. So then when I felt like I had gone inside of it, it all started to make sense. And then I started adding in like economics and (laughs) cell science and all these other little pieces that then became my actual obsession with systems. Right on. It's (laughs) wild. It's cool, right? Like once you have an interest or you have an idea of something and then maybe like a psychedelic experience like brings you into full realization of like actually like embodying and like fully integrating this thing. And you're like, Oh, I get it. Yeah. It was terrifying. (laughs) I I, surprised DMT trip. It was terrifying. And I called my friend. I was like, can you please tell me what happened and what this is? He's like, that was DMT. (laughs) Uh, He's like, how much did you smoke? And I was like, I really, I need to like be alone for three days. (laughs) It was so intense. Processing like, for that experience so definitely could just convince myself i was dead and mm-hmm. i was like you shouldn't have done that mm-hmm. good job heck um <laughs> but oh, heck. <laughs> at first i was like whoa this is crazy i've like never seen whatever the hell this is before mm-hmm. and i so the first time i did it i like went to flat but 3d world and then was in that world and i saw this like being It was looking at me and then it just like started pulling bricks out of my body, like Legos and eating them. And I was like, (laughs) why are you eating me? Am I dead? And it just kept eating little bits of me. 
And then it grabbed me by my stomach and pulled me through a black hole into another place. And then I was like, whoa. That's when I was like, you're dead. You died. This is great. Um, But that kind of was one of the things that really inspired me to start this like journey to really put myself back together and focus myself and figure out what I wanted to do. Meeting that thing face to face was kind of my realization that I had to do a lot of work. Mm, And that having to go through that experience definitely forced me to really go into hard drive and be like, something is you're allowing something to eat like bits of you bit by bit. So you have to (laughs) fix those holes or it's going to keep eating it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how this first novel psychedelic experiences like triggers something in you to, to where like, you know, you need to do the good work earnestly and sincerely yeah and like how that clear message comes through but you can't it's hard to like exactly pinpoint how or even what or oh sorry go ahead oh no just like how you know but you just have this knowing inside of you yeah yeah. through your whole reality gets flipped upside down it's like when you tell yourself you're dead (laughs) yeah that's it this is forever (laughs) (laughs) so those three days that like you said you needed to be alone for I did. Did you just kind of plan like, all right, like, what do I got to do? Like, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get away from that thing that was eating Legos out of my body? Do you play with Legos still? Or is that like a... <laughs> Sometimes. I, I wasn't allowed to watch TV as a kid, so we oh. had a lot of Legos. Oh, cool. And so I feel like Legos is the thing that it's like a childhood I go back to. Thing. Yeah. That's probably where the straight lines come from, you know? Yeah. Oh, so could de- be, yeah. <laughs> I de- and a lot of people in my family are architects. So mm. I always like uh, grew up watching architects build things, a lot cool. of straight lines and calculations. I don't calculate things, but I just like structure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's always just been a part of my life. Um, and also Legos. I love Legos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can't wait to have a kid just so I can play with Legos again. I mean, you can do that right <laughs> yeah. now without having yeah, a I kid. Guess, I guess so. <laughs> you know that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'll come over and play Legos with you. Man. Like, Here's your kid, dude. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you want to be my son? Will you adopt me? Yeah. Will you and Blair adopt me? Yeah. <laughs> my son's older than me. Do you come with Legos, though? Um, apparently we're all made of Legos. I think we are. <laughs> yeah. In well, a way. Yeah. In a way. <clears throat> do you, do you like write down your, since we're in this space right now, do you write down your dreams or like pay attention to dreams or anything like that? For sure. I actually, mm-hmm. um, recently, although I do it often, stopped smoking weed because I wanted to dream more intensely again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I definitely like visit people and ideas in my dreams very often for a while right after Inktober, I actually gave myself carpal tunnel from it because I was drawing like so intensely every single day and I had to stop. And that was a moment when I stopped smoking weed and in my dreams I was painting and drawing. And then I started writing down kind of in a journal, like, what I was remembering and those later became paintings okay. that I made later, Damn. Um, which was kind of cool. It's a good yeah. endorsement for a tolerance break. Yeah. yeah. You know, Def. this podcast is sponsored by stopping smoking weed every now and then. 
like remember things um, not only in real life but in your dream life yeah so thank you for um, tolerance breaks Hell for sponsoring yeah. this episode true <laughs> all the dispensaries in uh, Denver hate me yeah they hate <laughs> us right now you gotta crash the economy with this podcast <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I should stop. <laughs> it definitely, I think the journaling helps. The stopping is like the extra little buffer. Yeah, for but sure. But the journaling helps. I keep a day planner mm, too. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm a person that schedules, before I go to bed every night, I schedule my entire day for the totally. next day. Mm, totally. Um, and I live by it very rigidly. I'm a creature of habit mm-hmm. and routine. And so um, those things are good. And, and when I fall out of my routines, I have nightmares. I have, mm, beca- really? like, I really am of that attached to control that mm-hmm. like when oh, my whole day gets turned upside down, I also sleep, but I won't sleep well. Have you tried ayahuasca? Not yet. I, um, that's a, like a control releaser. Yeah. I had a, another DMT experience that was even more intense than the first one, like later. Mm-hmm. Um, cause for a minute after I like finally got myself back together, then I was like, whoa, I got to go back there. That was tight. (laughs) Once I realized it wasn't real (laughs) and that I could like be in control in the space Mm -hmm. or just like be aware that I was alive and fine. Mm -hmm. Then I was like, okay, I'm going to keep going back there. That was cool. And I kept finding like something new about myself every time. And then I pushed it a little too hard one time. (laughs) And then I was afraid and i had actually planned to go to south america to try ayahuasca but but i'm a little scared now because of how far i pushed it and i think that's what that experience is like it's like right over the tipping point Mm -hmm. i think i think i want to do some more personal work before i'm ready to like really actually go meet that thing that ate me yeah yeah Yeah. that's a thing right it's probably just you it's death me But that's like, I, I think that's like a, it's kind of a good place to be too, is like being scared of the psychedelic experience because I think it's a way of knowing that I need to integrate. Right. Like if you just keep going back and back and back and back, you're going to like lose yourself and yeah. like a healthy dose of fear is good. Totally. totally. Because like there's it's respect too. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. yes. this, you know, millennia old substance. Yeah. It's like you got to respect all the mm-hmm. people who've, who've been able to harvest that and the maybe even the spirit of it itself mm-hmm. um yeah i think f- fear can be totally healthy yeah and i think it's good to know too like you're like um maybe not yet you're not just like yeah gotta do it yeah no. <laughs> it's not like there's it's not like there's any rush you know yeah yeah for sure i think in time mm-hmm. i i just don't, I want it to be an experience that I actually am able to get the most out of mm. because I have so much respect for it. And I think that everyone in the right time and place should try it and meet their maker, mm-hmm. so to say, mm-hmm. once, but responsibly. <laughs> we endorse responsibility on this podcast. <laughs> responsible drug use people that's what it's all about don't fuck it up for the rest of us we've come so far with this drug war like just you know microdose you can always take more you can never take less (laughs) end of rant yeah totally i think too is so in my life i've had two 
near-death experiences, one in which I died for like three minutes and was revived. And I think that the last time I did it, I met that feeling again. And I was Mm -hmm. like, wait, I've been here and I did not like this place. Mm -hmm. And I came back from it. So I think when people play with it, they just don't have that understanding. Right. And that idea, you know, what that drug is able to do is is make you confront mortality, which is the most human thing, Mm -hmm. the fact that we end. Yeah. So I think for people that play with it, you're kind of slapping that in the face Mm, and you you are not God. It's like the dude that thinks he's, or girl that thinks they're stronger than the sun and doesn't wear sunscreen on the long day. Like (laughs) you're not stronger than the sun. Right. Mm -hmm. You're also not stronger than dying. Right. And so I think having that understanding and being humbled to it, the people who become humbled to that idea are the people who really get something out of it Mm -hmm. as opposed to the people who are just doing it for fun and then you're not really getting anything out of it and kind of ruining it for the rest of us Mm -hmm. who are actually respecting it and showing it, you know, giving to it what it gives to us. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So how'd you almost die? (laughs) One time I I had brain surgery very young when I was 12. Um, and almost, I like pretty much was like three hours from dying when I checked into the hospital, I had a tumor in my head and there's like a little hole in the top of your head that drains brain fluid and it had been sealed for a a good bit. Mm. I had been having headaches for a long time, but I was still active. Like I played sports all the time and I was crushing it in school. And so my doctors were like, you have sinus, uh, you have like a sinus infection, we have to do surgery. And I was scheduled for um, an MRI that day the day I checked into the hospital, but mm-hmm. at night, um, because my mom was like sick of hearing me complain, but then go to the movies with my friends. She'd be like, you're not sick. Like, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> you're doing everything that a normal kid does, but then you're like, don't want to go to school. So she, to be fair, I was like, I like was being normal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she thought I was faking it. So she's like, we're going to go get an MRI. Like we're going to go figure this out. And then when I checked in, they were like, yo, you're going to die. Jeez. We're going to fix your head. What did that quick. feel like? Um, scary. Yeah. I just terrifying. remember that. I remember just telling the doctor, like, just, I just want to walk again. Like I was so active and still am so active that mm-hmm. I kind of was less afraid to die than I was to become like unable to live my life. Yeah. When I came back to it and I had an awesome doctor and, it went super well. I had to like kind of not go to school for a while in eighth grade, but then went straight back, went to high school, crushed it. Um, interestingly enough, the part of my brain that was being pushed on the most is the part of your brain that secretes like uh, both your hormones but also DMT. And so for pituitary or pineal. Yep. It was like right behind the hypothalamus, but it was like pushing up into the pineal gland. And mm-hmm. so huh. in, as a kid, I had these crazy, crazy dreams of patterns and shapes that I never could express. And I, Damn. I really feel like the reason that I was always such an intuitive kid and such an empathetic kid was because that was always being triggered in my brain, like, slowly. Damn, that's crazy. 
Yeah, so, uh, this is why I'm weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of meeting mortality that young was intense, but I kind of like put it away for a very long time mm -hmm. and didn't really deal with it until recently. Until I tried DMT for the first time. And all came back. And yeah, I think what it triggered the most was this like feeling of um, like deja vu, but of something that like wasn't a place. It was like a holy shit, this is a feeling I have never wanted to feel again. And mm -hmm. here it is again. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second time was in college. I was actually drugged in college and oh. died from it like was given so much xanax that my heart stopped beating sure. and was revived Man. and um also was fine after that but that experience very much was like not a white light but mm -hmm. i felt a freedom that had i can't express it still yeah it was just like just completely free mm -hmm. and i think that my thing with control now and controlling shapes and putting things into boxes is that I know what that freedom feels like and mm. I don't want to feel it again because mm. it's scary. It's literally terrifying. So your boxes are like a way of claiming life and like celebrating yes. life. Mm. You're like, yes. I'm here. I can fucking make a box. Yep. You know, like <laughs> Shout out boxes. Yeah. <laughs> Shouts. yeah, definitely. I think they just like remind me that I'm here. Yeah. yeah. That idea of of compartmentalizing things and and having a routine in my day reminds me every day that I'm going and having yeah. something that I look forward to the next day is like I'm here mm -hmm. I'm present um I know what the freedom feels like and yeah. I think ayahuasca kind of would be when I'm ready to return to that feeling <laughs> and to like really feel that kind of release again mm -hmm. um Cause it's hard to explain. Like, it's not really a feeling you can describe. Cause we don't, you like your we brain's not programmed. Words, like, words naturally bound things in and like, you know, you point at, I think words come from objects, you know, essentially totally. like actions on objects or qualities of objects, quantities. Mm -hmm. And so like it's bounding, you know, it's like gives a framework to a thing that you can see, feel and touch. Mm -hmm. Whereas freedom is just like, like complete freedom. That's <laughs> what is that? There's like, is there, fr is freedom like a myth while you're in a body? Is yeah. that what that means? Well, complete freedom. You would cease to exist. Yeah. That's yeah. Like the, the whole much. human experience yeah. is the limitations and the restrictions yeah. and the, it's the boxes. And that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think boxes. it's really cool. Right. Cause it's like a lot of people are trying to get out of this thing and it, and having those experiences of being, of feeling death, like you're celebrating the separateness, but in a way of like holiness, Yeah, you know? And it's like, it's going against the grain. It's like a unique approach in a sense, you know? Totally. And it's like, that's a beautiful lens through which to see the world in like a spiritual light, you know? You know, we're always like going like after expansion and uh, yeah, and you can like glaze right over gloss right over the fact that like there's these individual objects in the one mm -hmm. i think that's a i don't know it's a cool thing cool yeah. thing to like shine a light on you know? totally i think for me the thing that i celebrate every day like having gone through all that and then facing it again with the recent passing of my dad um i celebrate every life by making choices by 
you know, deciding this is what I do with my time. And the biggest thing that kind of has shifted in my life is that I very much live for my own time now. I'm not ashamed to the the fact that I'm reclusive and I spend right. all my time alone working mm-hmm. because that's my time and that's how I want to use it. And, yeah. you know, part of celebrating life is having the choice to be like, this is what I want to do, as opposed to a lot of people in the world who do things because they think it'll make, it's going to make someone else happy. Yeah. That's Social not pressure. living. Yeah. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of floating. That's existing, which yeah. is like my worst fear is existing mm-hmm. as opposed to actually living because right. that means that you're deciding every day that you want to do things. And I like a routine because that's the routine that works for me. Yeah. It's the thing that makes me feel efficient and like i'm making the most of the little bit of time that i get to have totally yeah on you're the li- planet. living life with intention mm-hmm. you know you mm-hmm. set up your whole day so it's like the whole day has meaning yep that's great because <laughs> it's like yeah floating in chaos can be i don't deal well with it i work well with routine as well i just got a planner what about you Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, planners are great yeah planners are the shit i uh i had one um up until like august this past year and it, it was one of those like half year ones. Mm-hmm. So it ran out and I moved into my house and I just, long story short, I just didn't get around to getting one until earlier this week. You needed a planner to write, get a planner. <laughs> Dude, tell me, I got a clipboard too. I'm walking around my studio. <laughs> a whistle. Yeah. Walking around my studio and writing uh, progress reports for every part of the studio. Pretty proud of myself. I <laughs> Clipboards are great too. Yeah, they are. You never, never know. Yeah, it's like, you know, got a stack of printer paper on there, <laughs> write random <laughs> shit down. I do. I take notes. Uh, just because, like, the planner is like, this is silly, but like, the planner is like for your day. Yeah. You're like, at this time, we're going to podcast with Allie. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, I'm going to do this, this, and this. But like, if I just have an idea or something, I don't want to have to like flip through, you know, sketchbooks worth of, of material being like, Oh, that's not a blank page. That's not a blank page. Just like write it down. Yeah. Be like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There's that put a little pen in it. Well, there's like a big thing, right? About having ideas and then the act of actually putting it onto paper. It makes like, it more, it, it, it kind of like just, it's this magic trick of like, it's going to happen now. Right. Cause it's like outside of you. It's like, putting, you have all these great ideas in your head. It's like the box thing too. Mm-hmm. It's like you're putting a bound around the thing mm, with mm-hmm. the, the words on a paper. It's not just a, you know, nebulous thought in your head or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. It yeah. holds you accountable too. You can't, mm-hmm. if it's just a thought in your head, you can be like, don't want to think about that. See you later. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Then, like doing your laundry. You're like, well, maybe another day. Um, <laughs> Ooh, I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you write things down, then you're like, I told myself I'm going to do that. Yeah. So I have to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're like more committed or something. Yeah. I put down everything, like even the most like just small task. I still mm-hmm. write it down. Cause I'm like, you're going to do it. <laughs> and I, I like, um, I think I succeed with a reward system that mm-hmm. I set in place. So crossing things off is my reward system. Yeah. And it actually encourages me to like write down every single thing I have to do. Cause then I get pumped. I'm like, I will come home from running errands, be like, yes, I get to cross off five things. Mm-hmm. And then I feel great. And yeah, then whatever I do after that, I'm like walking on sunshine. Hell yeah, you crush the day. Yeah. Like, 
Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up really early, like by six, I'm up and just start doing all my little tasks. Mm-hmm. Even the first one is make your bed. And yeah. so, and then I go to, I answer emails, then I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And by the time I'm back from the gym, literally I've crushed the day. Hell and yeah. so anything else I have to do. You're flowing. I'm cruising. You've like I already out. crushed it today. So now I'm yeah. just like crushing more. Exactly. Well, Cause <laughs> those things, right? Like if you needed to work out and your bed was a mess and stuff like that would be kind of nagging you in the back of your mind all day. Totally. And then you can clear the slate for creativity and expression and mm-hmm. yeah getting down to business yeah and i think too because art is such a vulnerable place you have to like remove the things that would make you more vulnerable at least i do Mm -hmm. like anything that i feel like would maybe push me in the wrong direction if i was having an extra vulnerable art day Mm -hmm. it's already taken care of so i already feel confident and feel rewarded and feel good about myself fuck yeah so now when i go to the vulnerable place now instead of having the dark things looming over me we're chilling i'm like what's up darkness what do you Mm -hmm. want to talk about today let's draw it (laughs) so so you know like living living a regimented life and i don't even know if this conflicts with it but what kind of stuff do you like to do for fun outside of Mm. art and what is fun yeah um I, lame, I go to the gym. I love Hell yeah. lifting. Like, it's really my f- most favorite time of the day is Same going to here. the gym. I love it, too. It's it's just, like, so rewarding. And, <laughs> and it's, like, I like to feel healthy. Yeah. Um, and I like to just, like, that's self-love, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, such a good form of it. I do... Um, like to read a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could say that I spent more time outside exploring because that's why I moved to Colorado, but I suck at it. It's funny how elusive that can be sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> For real. It's, it's like after you do X, Y, and Z, it's 9 p.m. Yeah. in November, and you're like, mm, not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's dark. Yeah, exactly. And cold. Um, I spend a lot of time. I really love... Um, streetwear and like hype beast clothes i spend a lot of time just like looking up what is not necessarily trending but what the people that are pushing all of those things are kind of doing like you know virgil abloh that guy's on another level who's that uh, he's the know. designer of the off-white oh, okay. brand okay. Yeah, um yeah. that guy's like on another level yeah and i love like learning about sustainable fashion yeah. is really big right now and yeah. i really love just like researching those things i like i like to just challenge myself to learn something kind of every day that's why i read mm-hmm. a lot of i read an, a book on astrophysics one time probably understood three words out of the whole thing uh-huh. but i read it yeah and was confused the whole time <laughs> at the end of it i was like that was cool yeah. i know the words of why a black hole word yeah. works. I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like maybe even absorbing that information at some point, like you've done some like leg work mm-hmm. and like, you might not think you absorb something, but then you might hear information at one time. And maybe it puts pieces together. Yeah. Or, I yeah. don't know. So or you have an experience and you're like, Oh, that relates to that chapter in astrophysics that I was 
mm-hmm. reading and not understanding, but now I get it a little more. Totally. Just a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, with the sustainable clothing thing, I got to say, there's so much hemp being produced in Colorado. Like, are there, do you know of any hemp clothing companies out here? I don't know them by like name of brand, but I know that they exist because, yeah. you know, hemp is such a crazy, <coughs> crazy material. You can build concrete that's five times stronger than concrete and, you know, ropes that are 20 times stronger than cotton ropes mm. and all these things. So I think that as resources dwindle, hemp is going to be one that really gets pushed because it's just like is stronger, more yeah. efficient growing it is better for soil. Yeah. Like it doesn't deplete soil as much. It's a no brainer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It It kind of, when I, in my last semester at West Virginia, I took an ethics class and just like my partner for the whole class for a project was the kid who was like starting the movement towards medical marijuana and hemp growing in West Virginia, which actually is happening now. Oh yeah. Um, he, he pushed it mostly as a way for a poor state to kind of bring income back in. Um, God, they need it. Oh yeah. Kentucky too. And one of the big other like pros of it was that it, it replenished the soil that Mm -hmm. coal mining had been destroying for so long and like, you know, fracking and runoff and all that stuff Mm -hmm. that you could actually heal the earth with hemp. Right on. Um, they should plant hemp farms right around those uh, fracking sites here in Colorado. They should. <laughs> Just putting it out sucks. there. Fracking <laughs> does suck. Yeah. Frick fracking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, a uh, question I like to ask is, so outside of art, visual art, um, what are some, you already said complex systems and, and things that are just, that are far afield from art, um, but who or what are some uh, movies, books in particular, uh, music that inspires or influences your art? Um, so I, I, the author of the book is something Manson, but the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, mm, mm-hmm. completely changed my life. Like mm-hmm. really helped me to take all the pieces that I had in my journey of finding myself and like may implement them into a path. Mm-hmm. I tell everyone I meet to read that book. I read it over and over. It's incredible. Um, cool. really teaches you to prioritize your time as your number one, like currency in your life Yeah, mm-hmm. and really will help just like take so much stress off your shoulders because you realize you actually don't need to stress about most things that you stress about. Right. Mm. Um, and other than that, I really love music. I've been working with this record label and agency for a long time. I, I rep, I also manage, um, four artists and Who are they? I manage thought process, feel scary and a VJ named anti-alias. Nice. Um, so I, I love music. I love that community. Um, I mostly listen to hip hop. Mm-hmm. I grew up in DC. I kind of like worked a lot more in urban communities did a lot of like community service in those and i'm from venezuela which is a third world country so i've always kind of felt very connected to the those kinds of communities because people who don't have a lot value family and community above all else Mm -hmm. and they just communicate very differently and so i've always felt that 
urban populations and low income kind of populations because they have to to struggle together mm-hmm. kind of just have a much more open mind to so many things and i've i love that um i think hip hop is a really powerful tool that shows that if you just do the best you can do you can help everyone else around you absolutely just by being you mm-hmm. um there's so many artists i particularly love female rappers tiara whack yeah, we yeah. talked about earlier is mm-hmm. one of my favorites she's just like out there and weird but like has the sickest flow ever mm-hmm. really just is rapping about being herself and being sick she's like i'm literally better than you because i'm me that's tight i like that um but i think that kind of the whole idea of rap music and hip-hop coming out of these communities and i really the thing i love most about them is that you see all these like not all of them but a lot of really big rappers go out they make it they get their success then they go back to their neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and they're not like building you know a whole foods in the corner they're right. injecting money into the schools yeah. to help those kids learn how to fix their own community right and just like make their home better as mm-hmm. opposed to all dipping yeah, out yeah. of there which yeah. is great and i think a much more sustainable way for the world to function mm-hmm. totally yeah that's awesome who's the greatest rapper of all time <laughs> oh no <laughs> um never asked that question on the podcast <laughs> I think it depends based on what hits home to you. I my favorite rapper is Kendrick Lamar. I think he's a poet. Oh yeah. I think he Solid just is choice. like really is able to paint a picture with words that like sometimes like makes me cringe. I'm like, damn, that hurt. Like, mm-hmm. why'd you do that? Yeah. <laughs> and he won a Pulitzer Prize. Like he literally yeah. is has the highest honor in poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to agree. He's awesome. I love it. I him. think To Pimp a Butterfly is the greatest album maybe ever. Oh, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And, you know, just the way he structures it, like, to, uh, not To Pimp a Butterfly, Good Kid, Mad City is. I love that one too. That's his whole journey of self acceptance and growing mm-hmm. up. And, like, even the little skits that he puts in there from, like, real moments in his life are all the times that he was being a dumbass. And then mm-hmm. he sings a song about how he knows he was being a dumbass right. and how he grew up and. Just instead of telling kids like you have to do this or do that, he really just lives the example. Like mm-hmm. he really is someone who is so self-aware and really injects consciousness in a way that's digestible to people. It's I relatable. Oh, a hundred percent. I fucked up. You fucked up. We're gonna be all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're gonna be all right, and like let's help each other figure that out and do it together. And mm-hmm. but he's still so real. You know, he'll say like. I can sit and tell you all these things, but like if someone shot my friend, I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. That's how it is. Mm -hmm. He's so authentic. And I, I'm sure many people would tell me otherwise. I think he's the best rapper alive. (laughs) We share a birthday. Me and Kendrick. So that means he's deaf. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So special, Andrew. I know. Right. (laughs) I think the very exact same day too. Wow. So, you know, I'm pretty much... <laughs> you guys are like on par with each other. Lamar you know? visionary. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. I knew it. 
<laughs> so that's a um, controversial question though i know it is john greatest rapper of all time i don't know i i always have a problem with like greatest Goats. of anything yeah 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 because there's like flavors you know totally like, yeah it's like you can't really compare sherbet ice cream to chocolate yeah you know i'd say like probably my favorite rapper would be nas nas yeah i love nas he's amazing like every time it's never gotten old like he blows my mind every time i i've heard you know any song like a hundred times and it just hits you like he's so intelligent like the vocabulary is amazing and mm-hmm. his flow is sick and his beats are amazing like i just love the whole world but um i don't know personally i've kind of like grown out of hip-hop as i've gotten older mm-hmm. so i kind of feel like strange answering this question because i'm not as connected to the music genre at this point in my life that's, that's okay yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fair no, that's enough fair. man what about you andrew um well i gotta shout out outcast because that was my that was when i really got what hip-hop was mm-hmm. is you know I like like Andre in particular. Um, another Gemini. Is know. that why you like Earth Gang? I feel yeah, like they're the resurgence Dude, they're, of Outkast. Absolutely. They're they're like Outkast 2.0 with like more like heavier trap beats. Mm. And they've got this like funky thing going on and it's just yeah, I love it. Um, who else? <laughs> There's so many. I think the Wu-Tang Clan was also great because of their vocabulary, RZA in Mm -hmm. particular, just like they really decided to be like, hip hop is whatever we want to make it and we're smart. So guess what? Hip hop is smart. There's this whole mystical quality (laughs) in like the 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 Kung Fu stuff and the whole like, it's like this whole world that you dive into. It's awesome. And like Old Dirty Bastard is part of the crew. Like what the fuck is that? Like thrown in the mix. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's awesome. But it's like, we're like this mystical crew and like we got crazy homie in here too. Like, I don't know. The whole thing is just so fun. He's the OG mumble rapper. Totally. (laughs) It's like non sequitur after non sequitur. But you're like, I'm all in. Like all the way in. I'm following you. I get it. I think. I think I get it. (laughs) You're like, I don't, but I want to. I really, really want to. Yeah. (laughs) Wu-Tang forever. Well, like right before you here, I was listening to RZA uh-huh. on a podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, like, so you know how you're into lifting weights? He was talking about the philosophy. Um, was it the Bodhidharma brought it into cognition? Or it was like the principle that uh, what's the point of a strong mind if you don't have a strong body? Mm-hmm. And what's the point of a strong body if you don't have a strong mind? Totally. And it's the balance of those two things. So it's cool, you know, like, being a creative person, but then also finding the actual physical power in your body as well as creative power. Mm-hmm. It creates like a true equilibrium of a being. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's important, an important part of the process. For sure. For sure. I find when I actually do exercise that I'm a more focused, more energetic creator. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think that, um, that a lot of like Western, ideals kind of have that whole mind body situation you know the buddha also teaches like right body right mind mm-hmm. all of that kind mm-hmm. of brings you into your highest self the 
one of my other favorite books is the Dharma of the Jedi, which if you've never read is tight. I love Star Wars, but it's kind of just the idea of it literally is the idea of Buddhism, like in a book, but Jedis. Um, (laughs) Awesome. And the idea, it's also one of the reasons I live in a routine. Mm -hmm. The fact that I can like present myself most authentically when my body is right, when my mind is right, when my health is right. I eat in painfully clean also. Yeah, yeah. And because I want to be fully present in every moment and I can't do that if I feel clouded mm-hmm. in any sort of way. So I think that idea kind of, you know, you have to like like with a sketchbook, you have to work out your brain, you have mm. to work out all the muscles mm-hmm. in whether they're physical or like mental, whatever, yeah. all mm-hmm. the time or else you're just like not being the best you. Yeah, don't be a weak bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean that in the most loving way possible. <laughs> no, totally. <laughs> What's your diet like? Uh, it's terrible. It, it's not. It's, it's great. It's, I, it's, I'm it's a, so good. It's I terrible. eat a lot of ve- mostly vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't eat sugar or flour or meat or anything processed or from a can i pretty much just like make quinoa and fresh vegetables and i do still eat eggs mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. eggs um and fruit oh yeah eggs are uh they're just so nice yeah and like <laughs> I mean, because i lift shout I, like, out eggs the protein. <laughs> yeah but also they just i love eggs yeah and shout out to the incredible edible egg That's yeah great. totally if you want to sponsor our podcast, <laughs> text John Speaker at 415. <laughs> Arts AF brought to you by X. <laughs> That's stupid. That's cool. Um, <laughs> All right. This thing's falling apart. Yeah. Maybe uh, we should wrap it up. So what do you think? Yeah. Um, what advice do you have for aspiring artists? Um, my advice to aspiring artists would be to read the subtle art of not giving a fuck mm. and oh, to yeah. before you put the pressure on yourself of saying, I'm going to be an artist, figure out who the hell you are mm, and totally. figure out why you do the things you do and why you are the way you are and then deal with your shit. And in your words, don't be a weak bitch. <laughs> you have to, to be a successful artist, you have to be vulnerable and you can't be vulnerable if you can't be comfortable with yourself. So mm, totally. do the work and then worry about Instagram and painting and I mean, paint in that time, but worry about what people see later mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. you are the, the good version of yourself. Hell yeah. It's great Wise advice. Words. Yeah. Great advice. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks so much for being on. That was yeah, great. thank you thank so you much for being so open and and just sharing your unique perspective with us. Yeah, yeah totally, guys. Hell yeah! Well, Long uh, live eggs. <laughs> Long live eggs, and don't be a weak bitch. Don't and be smoke a weak TNT. bitch. <laughs> and I share a birthday with Kendrick Lamar. Anyway, thanks for joining us on episode eighteen, seventeen. I'm not really sure. It's okay. One of them, eighteen. Maybe I don't know. Did we just matter. turn 18? Let's, get <laughs> we, let's, let's go get some cigs. Yeah. <laughs> some lottery tickets. Jewel pots, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so well, much for listening in. Uh, we'll see you next time. We love you so much. Thanks for listening. We love y'all. Peace. Bye.
Thanks for listening to another episode of RCAF Podcast. For additional images and notes on this episode, you can check out our website, rcafpodcast.com. And you can find me, Andrew Norris, at andrew.norris.arts on Instagram. And andrewnorrisarts.com is my website. I also have links on my website to episodes as well as all my best paintings. And you can find me, John Speaker. My website is johnspeaker.com. On Instagram, I'm at johnspeaker. And on Facebook, johnspeakerart. Thanks again for listening. Peace. Thank you. (laughs) 